and don't nobody want their child to be sick, and don't nobody want to take that virus to their house. <laughs> and I wiped my children's backpack down when I got them out of school. Sure did, gave them gloves. Sure did. Testing. Hello. Hello. Hello, world. Today I cannot give a fuck. I say remember the Sabbath, rest and recover. Tomorrow we gonna be back in the Saturday. Today I cannot give a fuck. Cause I got none to give. But like I know with some kids, we all fall short of ideas. Hey, on my timeline, all I wanna see is my woman. Half naked turning down with platform niggas who want it. You can keep your disaster. They been draining my data. All the friction and fickleness only making me callous. I'd rather have a hard on and a hard heart. Put the pussy on the chain, wax salad cart. While I ignore the world's problems like an oligarch. Free love in this bitch like it's behind bars. Shake, 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 shake like an earthquake. My family is covered in the eternal blood of Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, everyone. We are coming to you from the home. We always, we always are. are. We always we don't have a studio, so, so which I'm I'm happy we don't have a studio because uh, right what where would we be? If what you would can't we have? go to Bella Noches? Then where the hell could you go? Because <laughs> me and my homegirl was hella hot about that. <clears throat> I don't know. I know that song. I'm coughing, but that's just because. Oh, hold I'm up! Where my throat? Coronavirus. And I'm thirsty. <laughs> Oh, if you got it, I got it. So that's you it. You know what? <laughs> that's it. And look, we're not gonna be ableist <clears throat> about not, getting shit. We if also, you we got it, we got it. Okay. If we got it, we got it. We gonna handle it. Cause guess what? We gonna be all right. Because what? I don't know what what. what? We, why we gonna be all right? Cause we have the we covered. In we what? covered in the blood. I'm okay. not saying that. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all. I Welcome. don't have a friend. I don't know Jay from State Farm. Oh, God. Here we go. go but ahead. I know Jesus from heaven, okay? And <laughs> we gonna be all right, Ooh. says the locks. <laughs> yeah, I'm in good hands. Welcome. Better than all stay. Welcome. Welcome. Y'all have to lean on y'all spiritual oh, practices God. and y'all spiritual guides. <laughs> Ola Dumare, you have to lean. You have to lean. <laughs> lean. What's that, babe? Preacher's wife. Everybody's a joy to the world. Oh, the Lord, the My Lord is one. My baby actually legitimately sing. I think you've been at home so long I have. I've been thinking about taking a, a, a singing lesson. Well, I heard that you know Beyonce. Are we gonna intro? Gonna Instagram no, uh. <laughs> don't say that. I would be the first one in there playing. Okay, what's the note? <laughs> Ebony, are we gonna intro this podcast anyway, or what? Hi everybody, how y'all doing? Welcome <laughs> to another episode of Hood Rat to Head Rap. Hood Rat to Head Rap. You know what Hood I mean? Rat to Head Rap. You don't have not, to do that every time. Every time, I like it. You tried to skip over it. I saw that. I did. I, I saw I that. I even looked away from you. Yeah. So, so that you <laughs> 
this hood rats and head rap is a podcast put on by erica hart and Evelyn ebony Evelyn ellily don ebony donnelly um hood rat to head rap is not a destination it is just a self-proclaimed hood rat talking to someone who wears a lot of head wraps um yeah and this is where you are right now who are you my name is ebony like i said my last name is in flux if you listen to the last episode, oh right you just joining ebony us newly. excuse you me. know i've been watching you know i've been thinking a lot about you know this the returns that we get you know with this coronavirus you have to look at pandemics and and widespread disease as one of the returns on an investment in whiteness you know in all serious i'm joking about my last name but not really but in all seriousness i'm really starting to reimagine and rethink ways that i can divest from white ways of thinking including a white last name mm-hmm. you know from somebody i don't know um a little trauma for you just to start off <laughs> who are you babe uh, my name is ebony i use he him pronouns if you don't know you can't go you feel me the nigga of all nicks you know you understand real nigga roll call i know y'all out there i know it's a rough time for real niggas right now but we gonna be all right you know so if y'all need anything y'all call me this is the hotline tune in to here this is your safe haven Oh, Lord. Where are you back? Hootie-hoo! I'm a real nigga. How about yes, that? Um, my name is Erica Hart. I uh, pronouns she and they. Uh, I'm from Maryland and also Puerto Rico. And sometimes I'm from England. <laughs> I don't know where this is coming from with her doing this English accent. <laughs> sometimes I have a Cockney accent. You don't have a Cockney accent. <laughs> Why do British people, why y'all like to say cock a lot? Yeah, it's a lot. at the train station, it was like four stops. What was the stop? The stop cocksucker was one of them. No, Erica, why'd you say that? That's crazy. I have to cut that out. Don't cut that out. Leave it it in there. It was Cockney Station or something like that. Cockney. Cock, cock. Cockney, bruv. We were, You have a tosser. So again... I understand that y'all might be watching from different places. Well, y'all probably ain't watch, listening from different places. You probably definitely listen from one place uh, that you have to be. But regardless of the situation, being with your partner, it's not always easy. They develop. It's almost like the annoying habits just develop in response to the quarantine. Who are you talking Things about? Things they wasn't doing before when you had the option to leave and opt out. They doing now when you have no option to leave. Who could you possibly be talking about, mate? Anyways. <laughs> anyways. Y'all already know what this episode is, so we're not going to spend too much time. But we do want to say thank you to everybody, you know, yes. for tuning in, wherever you may be tuning in from. We also want to be super mindful that not everybody has access to internet. Not everybody has a phone, you know, by which to access different podcasts. Yes. Um, so we, we, and we also appreciate that a lot of people have to work and it's a challenge for them to work from home. We also want to appreciate that a lot of people may be experiencing a lot of financial hardship right now. Some people's jobs don't transmute into remote work yep. as easily as other people's do. Yes. Um, especially the people who are actually keeping us safe. Ain't no motherfucking public official keeping, keeping me safe. I'm talking about people who have to still be in the MTA or on the transit system, bus operators, operation staff, sanitation, janitorial, and custodial workers who are actually putting themselves at risk. I've been seeing all these doctors and shit making, you know, no shade, making a hundred thousand or so, and medical professionals making over hundreds of thousands of dollars 
um, hundreds of thousands of dollars per year, you know, saying things like, I'll stay home, you know, stay home for me. I'll come to work for you. And I'm like, I'd be also coming to work too if I got as paid as much as you did. You know, so there is this um, sort of very classes. All of our isms are being, that have been Mm pre-existing before coronavirus are amplified with this pandemic and it's amplified not just by people's hysteria, but also people's response. Yeah. Um, and that's across the board, you know, janitorial workers, ain't nobody thinking about them right now, but those are quite literally some of the people who are actually keeping you safe in the, in the most, in the ways that you don't even think about. Yeah. But I say all that to say that I do want to thank everybody for tuning in and taking the time out of whatever you may be doing right now, whether it's with your kids and playing with your kids or teaching them or alone by Mm -hmm. yourself right now where you can just be spending time doing something else. You don't have to be spending time with us right now listening to this. I want to let you know that it is appreciated. Absolutely. And I thank everybody for their ongoing support of this podcast, which is a very independent podcast. It's people sponsored. Um, it's also sponsored by me and Erica's pockets alone, yes. uh, which is a, not an easy thing to, uh, do yet. You know, niggas is out here. We here. And thank you to the people who have, you know, supported our podcast as they are able by sharing it, um, sharing it with their friends and their family, listening in on car rides with their friends and family. We really appreciate that. And for those of you who have sent financial support, we also appreciate that as we don't have any sort of sponsorship on this podcast. Right. And if you are new here or if you are intending to support our podcast, how you do that is that you Venmo us. We live in the same house. So sometimes people are like, how can I send Ebony money? Ebony, Ebony and Erica have the same bank account. Mm-hmm. Um, it's all joint. And that Venmo is Erica, E-R-I-C-K-A dash heart, H-A-R-T. That's E-R-I-C-K-A dash H-A-R-T. And PayPal is Erica, E-R-I-C-K-A at iHeartErica.com. And we will have a link to all of this in the description of this episode. Yes. Don't forget the C and the K in my name. So as you may or may not have guessed from the title, this entire podcast episode is going to be about Rona. Rome. Rome. Coronavirus! Because it has, I mean, it is, because it has really, it has interrupted everyone's lives um, in some way, shape, or form. And I think I was talking to Eb on our little walk that we had that I want to use this almost like as a journal. Um, It's, you know, as you know, if you've been following our podcast, you know that it's strange for us to have a a podcast a week apart. That is not like us. Even at the top of the speaking tour that was that we were supposed to be on. That we we announced last episode in Canada. We (laughs) announced the speaking tour last episode. We said, you know, we were talking in a meeting like, okay, we'll be able to do maybe one or two episodes by by the end of april and now we'll probably have 15 episodes by the end of april so i ain't gonna have no 15 episodes look here. <laughs> i'm not gonna have no 15 episodes you but know what here I mean? we are you know do you know doing the podcast and we just you know we're just gonna talk about our feels and yeah because i mean there is an impulse and a desire and a drive yes. to produce and to steal yes um respond to the pressures of capitalism and respond yes. to your material needs yes. in a way that's going to be revenue generating. Um, and I will say that, you know, while coronavirus has certainly interrupted 
a lot of people's lives a great deal. The common people, the regulars, us. There have been some people who remain unscathed by yeah, the by a, a global pandemic. And that's saying a lot that some people have that level of protection over others. But I'm yep. not going to jump ahead. Thank you. I ain't finna <laughs> jump ahead. Somebody over here pointing the damn <laughs> most skin at me talking about. Thank you. Let's go. If we had a producer, they would do it. We don't need, well, we ain't got got a producer now. You asked for one of those last episode. And we almost have one. (laughs) We almost have Christy. Oh, Christy, yeah. Christy, call me. If you listen to this, call me. All right. So we're going to start off, hopefully, with our game. Y'all know if y'all just joining us, this is our lyrics game. So you already know how that goes. I'm going to read some lyrics. Erica's going to read some lyrics. Just read them, not sing them. And the other person has to guess. If y'all are playing at home, don't cheat. Don't be looking it up. Just see if you know the name of the song. Yes. All right. Who's going first? Me? Yes. All right. Let's roll. Let me get it. Let me pull it up. Let me get it. All right. Here is the fruit for the crows to pluck, for the rain to gather, for the wind to suck, for the sun to rot, for the trees to drop. Here is a strange and bitter crop. What? Strange and bitter crop. Here's a strange and bitter crop. Strange and bitter crop. This is a rap song. You trying to sing it. It's not a... Whoever actually knows it's going to be laughing. No, it's not a rap song. It's far from it. Strange and bitter crop. Don't try to sing it because you're going to make it worse. You're going to make it worse. The bitter so the strange. Here's the fruit for the crows to pluck. The fruit. For the rain to gather, for the wind to suck. For the sun to rot, for the trees to drop, here is a strange and bitter crop. You turn into Eb- Poet Ebony when you read this. It's not being no damn Poet <laughs> Ebony. I ain't no, I'm not no poet. He used to be, everybody. No, I ain't no poet. Google, I don't Google even him. like poetry. Google him. Google him. Don't Google me. Google. I don't know. I'm lost. I don't know who has the bitter crop. Well, if you really think deep, put on your hotep hat. I'm gonna stop saying Common? hotel because that's not a bad. No, no, no. Uh, that's no tip. Lauren Hill. Close, but think older. Older. What would be a bitter, a strange and bitter crop? What's a popular song about bitter crops and trees? Strange fruit. Yes. Billy Holiday. There you go. I actually gave that to you so you get. I- thought that it was Billie Holiday but I was like there's no way you're using that song as your I know I'm just in a dark mood you're in a dark mood <laughs> that's a beautiful song I it think is it was actually written song. by a white person actually it was that's okay you don't have to ruin it are right, you ready alright you ready I'm ready not a second or another minute come on now you know I know this what is it I could damn near guess it right now guess it keep going <laughs> not an hour or another day but at this moment, with my arms outstretched, I need you to make a way. As you have done so Smoky many... Norfolk. As you have done so many times before. I need you now, Smoky Norfolk. I stretch my hands to thee. Come rescue me. I need you right away. 
I love that damn song. Why you get upset when you say I can sing, but then you don't want me to sing? It's not that I don't want you to sing. You be you singing the whole nerves. verse. Y'all, Up with these the partners, chorus. it's time for us to get free. <laughs> you be singing the whole song. You, and you have about to, to sing the whole thing. In a Cockney that was accent. In a Cockney um <laughs> That was I Need You Now, Smokey Norfolk. You are in a certain mood as well. I'm in a mood. Feeling away? Yeah. Emotional check-in. How, How you, you feeling? feeling? <laughs> that was cool. My product of being in each other's face. All up under each other for weeks. Are you complaining? No, it's not a complaint necessarily. <laughs> an observation. Um, I'm feeling okay. I feel this pressure to do a lot of work, which I always feel because I'm somebody who works from home anyway. So it's not unusual. No one is telling me to go work from home. I'm always working from home for the past three years. So that's not unusual. Though you are never home. So what does that say? Right. I mean, I'm never home, but I have to work from home. I work. Occasionally you do. I'm more so the person who works at home. Where do I work, Ebony? Babe, you go to, you be working out all the time. You going on different gigs and stuff. You travel often. But I have to work from home. Yes, for the most part. Yes, that's all my only point. I interrupted your check-in. I'm sorry. How are you feeling? (laughs) I'm feeling good. I feel this pressure to work and being home being home and everybody else being home, how my, my how my mind works is like I'm not missing anything. Like there's no FOMO. Yes, nobody is home, so that helps me stay home. So I'm I'm kind of meditating on how comfortable I am at home, how still I get to be, how tired I am. Yeah, um, I feel like I'm still healing from my double mastectomy and from being diagnosed and from going through a divorce. Mm-hmm. And when you're sitting still, all of those emotions come to the surface. Um, all of the stuff that we've dealt with, dealt with for the past three years and running our own business. Like, I feel like I've had time to kind of think about those feelings. So this, a lot of feelings are coming up for me, not just my frustration with coronavirus. Yes. Like the frustration with coronavirus is already there. So I, on top of all the other things I get to kind of ignore by, you know, going to get my hair done or going to the plant store or whatever. You know what I mean? Like there's no distractions, none. I don't get no distractions. Right. Even the walk we take is not distracting because I'm, I'm focused on not touching people. And it's quiet as a mouse. Yes. For the most part, (laughs) even with people still being outside. Right. So yeah, I I don't know. I feel, I said, I feel good, but I don't know if that's the truth or not. Mm. I feel, I, I, I feel settled. Mm-hmm. And a little all over the place at the same time. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. Like, I just don't, I don't have no direction. And I feel, I, I, I have to come up with my own direction as terms of like what I'm going to do all day because mm-hmm. I'm restricted. Yeah. So that feels, that feels strange. That feels. You feel yeah. more of a pressure to have, to be on a schedule. Yes. Though you. Yes. I can't, I feel like I cannot sleep in all day. I can't not do work. I have to do work. I have to still focus. I still have to perform. Yeah. I don't, I don't, this is not a vacation, but I'm home all day. It's a weird, weird space to be in. Well, I mean, I, I definitely feel like even when we are home normally, even when we're home normally, there's not a 
sense of I'm on break or I have I can break or right. I cannot do shit while I'm at home. True. So True. I think in that way, working from home, sometimes it calls into question, like what part of your home is your home? Like, of course, it is your home. It's your shelter. But like, it's a real thin line between it being consumptive to the point where it's like, I'm like, I got to get the hell up out of here and I can't be looking at no yeah. more screen, no more screens, yeah. no more emails. It's like, I can't do it. But I do feel like there is a sense of reset or reprieve that is besetting upon the outside world yes. that maybe we are, we certain people can opt in and certain people can not opt into yeah like i was talking to my aunt today who works for kaiser um in like the administrative part Mm -hmm. and she's like i don't i'm like honey why are you not at i called her because i'm like you know make sure she at home and she's at work and i'm like honey why you at work and she's like because i cut my damn internet off two months ago to save money Mm -hmm. so and she's also in her 50s, so working at home or from home on yeah. a computer, even though she works at a computer at work, doesn't occur to her as a yes. thing she would want to do. Yeah. It feels like, it just doesn't feel comfortable Yeah, um, having a level of comfort at home. So I think about that too, where it's like, is working from home comfortable or not? Right. All the time. It's, no, it's challenging. Working it's, from home is definitely a challenge. I don't think... It is exciting and it is definitely something that more and more people, I hope after this, should be able to do. Um, It is not necessary to sit in an office all day. I feel like that that sort of structure comes from slavery where, you know, Mm -hmm. an overseer is looking over enslaved people. And I just, you don't need that. You can trust people to do their job. Yeah. They're, they're either going to do their job in an office or they're going to do their job at home. But whatever space, it doesn't matter where they are. They're going to get it done. So why not make it so they're super, they're comfortable and they're able to choose. Oh, sorry. They're able to choose wherever they work. But that's a problem with making work comfortable. That's the, the, To make work comfortable is on the part of the employer. But the yes. employer is acting mostly like an overseer. Yeah, they don't get Not the as a colleague or somebody. Yeah. The management systems in this country for most jobs are, what do you call it? Vertical. Yes. Vertical so it's structure. not like, oh, I'm going to make sure you are cared for. Or if you work at El Navy or you work in retail. And yeah, you can't, you can't work, work from home so in retail. Right. So you have to have an you literally have to have an office job to work from home. So right. the way that they're talking about it is like a restaurant person that's a waitress can't work from home. No. Yeah. No. Yeah. So again, that yeah. that becomes again it calls into question like labor, the idea of labor at all in this country and how much even I see you even now, I don't really see a change in you because you've always had issues with resting. You've always yes. had issues with taking breaks. Yes. You've always felt a desire to work. Um, and if work has been an outlet for you, but it's also been a way for you to just kind of not think about all the other stuff yeah. that's going on, including why you have this uncontrollable desire impulse to work. Otherwise you have no value. Yes. You know, so you deal with that a lot. And I don't think coronavirus has shifted that for you, at least Not yet. on the outside looking in. Yes. You know, you just being same old Erica, just, I need to work, 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 work. Yeah. Or, I'm, or everything's going to fall apart. Yeah. You know that's, I mean? that's how I, f- I feel like it was last week was hell in the mm-hmm. sense of we were about to go on our tour literally about to go on the tour mm-hmm. to the airport literally type yeah. literally through security sit at the gate and watch the plane board oh, yeah, we literally. was at Newark airport like, we came from we're gonna go mm-hmm. on the tour and then it was everything was cancelled and it was also coming even our way to Newark 
things had already been canceled yeah. in April. So we were like, okay, we're holding on to that this is going to happen. And then it was all canceled. Right. So now it's like everything is canceled and you need to stay home because there's a pandemic and you you may not be able to leave your house until May. Right. Like that is a lot to kind of take in. And I feel like... And the financial implications. Right. I feel like a lot of... I mean, for me, I've been feeling like I've had to play this mental game with myself of like let me downplay the financial implications yeah in order to not get myself upset like trick my brain into being like i'm gonna be okay like or yeah that wasn't a lot of money or and it's just not true and i also feel like i need to be grateful like i need to be grateful and it'll be it'll all work out which i'm like that's not the that's not all of it i think gratitude lists are super important and you should do them but if you just do gratitude lists and you don't take no actions it's not they're not all it's not all gonna work out so i feel like we have had to really figure shit out of what we were gonna do um very quickly while arguing being sad crying me sitting at the desk at this very desk being like you know on the day before everything got canceled like lord please help me please help yeah. me you know what are yeah. we gonna do i literally have to say that yeah. and i normally don't actually share prayers i don't share the things i do share the things i pray about but not my own personal prayers right. and i even had the thought where i'm like damn i haven't asked god for help in hell alone like have I felt so self-sufficient that I've been mm. unaware of or distant from my own spirituality and my own, like what had I been relying on? Yeah. Because my thing too about, well, I'll just say how I feel is that a part of me is like, this feels like, you know, sometimes have you ever had the feeling I talked to my therapist about it where I I'm always on alert because I feel like anything bad is bound to happen or is about to happen. Almost like I anticipate it happening. So I feel like this is the bad thing. So I'm like, Oh, it was going to happen anyway. So the, my response is not so strong. It's like, I don't really, a part of me is like, we'll be fine. I really do feel that way. Like, I don't know how I don't have no actions attached to my will be fine. And I don't even know if my will be fine is gratitude based. My will be fine is like a mental trick. It's like to help me. Yeah. It's like my body being like, you got to say this to yourself in order for it to be okay for you each day. And I feel like that's trauma too. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Where it's like, you come up with these mechanisms to get you through. Well, I have to survive. Very, you're surviving. Yeah. It's like, and that's how I feel like you saying I'm going to be okay. is how I felt when I was diagnosed. Yeah. And when I went through my double mastectomy, I had to say, you're going to be okay. There were for me, for my own survival and for my own mental health, I had to say, you're going to be okay. The other option wasn't an option for me. No. Like it just wouldn't work in my brain. Yeah. So I had to just be like, you're going to be okay to actually get up in the morning. Yeah. So I feel like that is, that is absolutely that like recreates where I'm at yeah. where I'm like, we're going to be okay. Right. Like we gonna be able to leave the house in a week like i just have to keep talking yeah. to myself like that and or again i'll swirl i'm also yeah. like you know as a black person i do feel like my frustration with what the the national discourse around coronavirus or even the i'll just say national because i don't really truly know what the global discourse is for people dealing yeah. with coronavirus in other countries other than people of course caring about what's happening in italy versus caring about what's happening in iran even though iran has also yeah. a high number of cases there hasn't been that level of sympathy nope. around we was just celebrating or comparison, or comparison. 
comparison because we was just two, three months ago celebrating the death of a military general from Iran, yeah. the United States killing that person. Yeah. So again, that's all, that seems consistent. It seems like the United States is just still the way it, it's always been. Mm-hmm. I don't really feel like I am inside of something different or new. What I feel is, is that I can't go out nowhere. Yeah. I have no place to go where I can just get my mind off of living in this country and what that means. Yep. And now I'm living in a country where there I have I've already had little to no faith or yep. the government elected officials are all mostly white cis people so they have not instilled any confidence in me None. as a black person. None. So my thing is like that the there there I don't have no anxiety around it. Yeah, I it just, feels I, normal. I don't, it feels normal, and <laughs> I'm also just like it feels normal. But I have I, my me, my mechanisms to deal with that f- fucked up normal. Yes. is not there. I can't go to the club. I can't yes. go to the party. Yes, I can't, I can't. come together with your friends. Yeah, I don't have my distractions. I can't go to the record store. You know what I mean? I can't do. Yeah. I can't even having choice in the matter. You yeah. know, half the time I be in this house, you be the one gone. I oh, just like the God. option of being able to leave. Yeah. I can't do that. Yeah. You know, so I think that I'm starting to more and more think like, damn, like that's what I'm really upset about is I feel like everything that's already fucked up about this country has already been ongoing and people is acting brand new. And that, yeah. that bothers me. Yeah. That yeah. bothers it me. It does feel like, okay, so there's a bunch of white people that are confused about what's going to happen, who are not considering the most marginalized, yep. who are freaking out about, you know, who and who's going to get health insurance and who's not. And there's not enough beds. And I honestly relate to medical institutions like they don't have enough capacity all the time. Yep. And that um, you don't have to leave in the event that you really need right, to stay. Right. You can't afford and it. because they have actually turned black people away or yeah. just killed them in the process of quote unquote trying to treat them. So I don't have any sort of faith in any institution in this country at all which in something like this freaks me out to some extent because I'm like so much of it then is like okay so what where do I turn if everybody else is in the house right but see (laughs) when people when you bring up the history of medical racism yeah they will people are people will try to say oh you're being conspiratorial no. Or you are, no. you, you know, we just need to do herd immunity, herd immunity, which is, I guess, like everybody essentially getting it so much to the point where we become immune to it. But that requires essentially millions of people contracting it and possibly dying yeah. in order to establish, quote unquote, herd immunity from it. But people yeah. are what I find is that people are really um, feeling a sense of comfort in weaponizing medical language and jargon um, in order to try to make people feel bad for not knowing or for voicing their frustrations around, okay, I got to be in the house with these kids all day and these kids got to be in the damn house with me and they don't want to be in the house with me right. and I don't want to be in the house with them. Right. You know, but people being like, you need to stay in the house or, you know, but just white people having a moment. Oh, I where see. They, they're mm-hmm. getting their moment to be controlling. Where but it's also, they're getting, again, we're paying attention to something because it is impacting white people. Right. I cannot imagine, I can't imagine when the, when things like this impact black communities, like the government starting it, i.e. the crack epidemic, yep. 
There is not a outpour of concern or support. No. No, there is a, a, an, an initiative to put people in jail, which I think if they do institute martial law, that's what that will become. Because in Puerto Rico, for example, I can't remember the amount of cases they had to this to to date, but mm-hmm. there's a, there's like a thousand cases or maybe a hundred cases. A thousand maybe too much. It's like a hundred cases. Um, the curfew is nine o'clock. And the amount of people they have arrested is 32 people. They've arrested 32 people, which is not even, I think it was like 100 cases of coronavirus, mm-hmm. but 32 people have been arrested. How is it that 32 people have been arrested? Like, the, the government is always going to find ways to put people in prison and yeah. make money off of that. Yeah. You know, and I, that's my concern is that the people who are going to go to prison are people who are poor, are people who are black, indigenous, uh, trans, and queer because they don't have anywhere to go. Right. But they're going to be accused of spreading coronavirus. And being negligent. Right. And not heeding right. medical guidelines or not right. healing pu- heeding public health guidances and guidelines. Right. You know, that, that to me is crazy making. Yeah. Like to me, that makes no sense. It's like, like you said, you, we live in an individualistic society that prides itself on being individualistic, Mm -hmm. but then you get mad at people for not doing stuff on behalf of other people in an individualistic society. That's an unreasonable expectation. But let's take two steps back. It is not clear on what we are supposed to be doing. No. It is literally total community organizing around what we're supposed to be doing. Yes. And I feel like in a in a democratic, individualistic, vertical society where we put all power to a president, right? Yep. To listen to information from a president. If community is saying don't go outside, but the president is like, it's fine, it's just the flu, it's gonna go away in the when it's warm. People aren't gonna. People don't value community in the same ways that they value black authority. And people of color mm-hmm. value community. Mm-hmm. They value authority. Correct. That is a white supremacist tactic to value authority, to exalt authority. Yeah. And I feel like this has been confusing for a lot of people because you are expecting the president to actually give you the information, which is funny because even myself, I've had to check like, why am I looking for this person? I ain't to never give me seen you look any information. At these briefings, this MSNBC. I'm watching the briefings because I'm just appalled. I'm appalled. I'm at this point. I'm just appalled. Yeah. It's, it's like you know. I was. I had the thought the other day thinking about like Tuskegee experiment and thinking about the birth control um, trials and, and just thinking about historical events that have happened. Civil mm-hmm. rights movement. All of them. Mm-hmm. People are watching watching this happen on the news to some extent or reading about it in newspapers. Yeah. Newspapers have existed for a very long time. Yes. So people are watching it, and I'm like. This is I, bear with me as I come to this, but what I was thinking is, I think about a lot of historical events as the past, mm-hmm. not that they're going to happen now. Does that make sense? Yes. It's like, oh yeah, that crack epidemic that happened. Woo, that was bad. Or that it has no residual effect on what is happening. No, no, now. no. There's a residual effect, mm-hmm. right? There's yeah. there's the amount of this country imprisons more people than anybody, any country in the world. And mm-hmm. most of the people who are in prison are in there for petty drug crimes and they're black and or brown and mostly black people. That is a residual effect of the crack epidemic. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, is I feel like... If these things aren't supposed to happen. Does that make sense? Or the response 
the response is not supposed to be happening. Like, I'm feeling like I'm seeing history in the making. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, in a second, we're all going to be gone. It's going to be 100 years later, and people are going to be reading about the coronavirus pandemic. Yes. You get what I'm saying? And all the failures to and prevent it. And all the it. failures. I'm just watching it yes. like, this is about to be in a damn history book. You're racist ass saying the Chinese virus. Does that make sense? That like, makes sense. I just sense. feel like I'm watching things in slow motion. Right, almost. but I feel like people are not relating to that as it as important that the they I feel like they're relating to it as like the cure and finding a vaccine and the treatments to it is the thing that we need to be focusing on and that President Trump racializing like you say racializing a disease in the same legacy of white people pathologizing and racializing diseases like they have like that to, to me, people. I feel like people are are looking at that as like, well, he just said that. You know, this is our par yeah. par for the course. Yeah. What I what I'm pointing to is that we treat anti black racism and violence as if it's not pandemic, Ooh. as if it's not serious, yeah. or if it's not grave, yeah. and as if it does not, and if we do not have the empirical data that says it really kills a lot of people at an alarming rate. All around wow. the world. We don't treat it that way. And that's why I said, you know, there there haven't been no advisories around anti-black sentiments and acts of anti-black racial aggression that occurs on a normal basis. But at the same time, we are thinking about and talking about anti-immigrant, anti-Asian sentiment as if it doesn't have its origins in anti-black racism. Yes. Yes. As if one doesn't yes. cause the other. Yes. And as if the normalization of hating black people on a regular basis hasn't, and with no consequence, where you have people saying shithole countries. Yeah. I've seen more vehemence toward, actually, I'm not even true. People ain't been tripping off him saying Chinese virus. People have been questioning it, but yeah. it ain't been no large uproar no. over President Trump talking about Chinese virus just in the same way. There was no large uproar about shithole countries um, comment yeah. about countries in Africa. Yeah. So again, yeah. like, I, I, that's why I'm just like, it all feels like we are, you know, reap, the world is reaping what it is, has sown. Mm-hmm. And I think that is what I'm privy to. And that's what I feel. And I'm thinking too about what you said regarding history being in the making. You don't even have to go that far back and dig that far back in history to see the residual effects of how black people are being disproportionately affected by coronavirus. You don't even have to look far. Just earlier this month, um, the Grand Princess cruise that had a great deal of its passengers test positive for coronavirus was it was allowed to dock um, at the Port of Oakland in West Oakland rather than having it safely disembark in San Francisco where they have the resources and the personnel and the technology to do a safe disembark of a cruise ship full of people who have tested positive for coronavirus but where they choose to go is a historically black city heavily gentrified now with a white mayor who thinks that this is okay in the way that and not only are you know we thinking about the guidelines or thinking about 
how we need to be heeding the CDC's guidelines around safety, but we're not thinking about that in terms of workers. We're not thinking about that in terms of labor. We're thinking about that in terms of individual people standing in a house. But there was a group, Local 10, ILWU, a union, Local 10, of longshoremen and maritime workers who, you know, their employer told them that they needed to take a truck full of contaminated trash through West Oakland, despite the danger that that posed to local residents, they were told to do that. And when all the longshoremen refused, they hired another company. And if you want to follow this story more, I'll have links to it uh, from leaders and members of the local 10 ILWU um, union, and also a link to the entire story covered on hard night radio. Again, like, class struggle going on there where you can't say no a lot of the times do we know any janitorial or sanitation workers who can't go to work or who are like what's it gonna look like am i gonna be paid if i don't go who can even negotiate that be able to negotiate protecting themselves but on the news all i hear every day is white people being like we need to protect ourselves we need to protect elderly and we need to protect at-risk and vulnerable populations as if elderly people and at-risk vulnerable populations aren't also at work yeah yeah and have a need for work and are at the two-pronged disadvantage of working for um, low paying jobs from companies that are super exploitative and don't play, pay their workers a fair wage, but also still needing to work and, and make a living their safety notwithstanding. So working for a low paid job or not paying your workers a fair wage or a living wage, that's a public health issue and public safety issue just as much as coronavirus quarantine is. Yes, that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. And those people are normally black and brown people. Yes. When we talk about now it's at risk, we we get to get caught whatever. Yeah. But whatever we, our names change according yeah. to the times. <laughs> you know, it's low information voter a couple weeks ago or last week it was low information oh. voters. And now we at risk poor, and vulnerable. Poor. Poor, needy, <laughs> under-resourced. Underserved. Underserved. <laughs> you know, they just be changing our names. We could never be POC. P- Forget about being black. POC. Right. So the other day when the president said, you know, Chinese virus and the reporter was like, well, you know, a lot of people are saying that that is racist. And <laughs> he said, you know, no, it's not racist. It came from China because China tried to say that Um, It was U.S. soldiers. And I thought that that was, I I was incredibly irritated by this because I already know that that is going to continue any sort of racial aggression that is happening towards Asian communities as a result of him saying that, but also what has already been in, you know, racist, you know, people's minds in this, in this country, but uh, abroad as well. But him saying that was almost like, I'm not going to have people believe that white people started it. Yes. And U.S. soldier is, you know, synonymous with white. So they said it was U.S. soldier. So I'm calling it Chinese virus. And yeah, the person in my cabinet who called it the Kung flu or whatever, fuck who I I agree with them essentially is what he's saying. Yes. He literally says that. So it is, I'm, I'm literally like quoting him directly right now. So, I am concerned about the racial aggression that is going to happen to Asian communities as a result of this. I am also thinking about how black people have been blamed for so many epidemics for mm-hmm. even just violence in general. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, 
And like you said, like you've said already on the podcast is that anti-blackness is the framework for doing that. Yes. So putting the blame somewhere other than a white person. Yes. Um, and I don't know the origin. A lot of the conversations around the origin feel to me similar to HIV. And yeah. when I started doing HIV education, you know, even when I started in Ethiopia, people would ask me all the time, where did this come from? Mm. that's all we're always where people wanted to bring the conversation did it come from monkeys did it come from blah 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 like where did it come from um and i think that having a conversation of where it came from is only gonna incite racism um because they're always the blame is always going to be placed on someone that is marginalized yeah a white person is never going to be like i'm the one that you know brought this to china like measles and mumps how it got here like all of all of the pandemics yeah. that have yeah. killed marginalized people who are who were here first right uh, they're not going to admit to any of that the black so, death which yeah, wasn't so black <laughs> so, <clears throat> so that is my concern um and then also just seeing you know i've seen a lot of tweets about you know, Asian people contesting with or it being contested that they are a model minority. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something for obviously folks that identify as Asian to do, mm-hmm. um, to do that work around. But I do know that having a stereotype of model minority protects Asian people in a lot of ways yeah. from racial aggression. Yeah. And, it, um, and what I kind of see is like a lot of people online, definitely depending on their class stature being yes. like, Oh, I'm surprised. You know, I yes. hang out with white people all the time and they never say these things. Yes. And I'm in New York and I'm just so surprised. And I'm like, I don't know where you've been. Yeah. You know, if I can see them doing it to you, then. But why is it that? Why is it that it has to happen to an Asian person to believe that racism is real? How come it happening to me is not sufficient enough for you to rally around it happening to me? Because if it's happening to me, it could eventually happen to you. Well, it so, is happening to you right. simultaneously. But it's already been happening mm-hmm. to you. The Page Act of 1865 yeah. said no Asian women can come to this country. It was one yes. of the first immigration um, restrictive statues, immigration. Right? I think it was the first. The first like, so mm-hmm. it has already happened so there's been things stereotypes um defense mechanisms a cultural assimilation that asian americans talk about all the time the ways in which they assimilate into white american culture like to protect themselves from that violence i hope that now there is a a larger conversation because i already know that there are you know, Asian folks who are activists and who contest with the anti-black racism that exists in Asian communities mm-hmm. and their own complicities like Mia Mingus and Bufu, which is a collective of, of Asian Diane and African, Wong. Diane Wong um, people. So I just, you know, I already know that that work has been happening, but I hope it is ha- it begins to happen on a, a larger scale um, outside of like community organizing. But there is a collective you know conversation around where i don't know where asian people have been complicit in their um identity i guess or, or in forcible their, assimilation a fo- yeah uh, it, I, mean, it is a, I it, said it as forced, a protection yeah it's a protection but I'm, i think we have to be real we have to start to again qualify what we mean about white supremacy white supremacy yes. supremacy looks like i'm going to force you to believe that you are that you are a person of color, but you are a particular type of person of color that is not like these people, these black people. The framework is anti-blackness. You, the yes. way black people get treated, 
You better not get treated yes. like them. You better not look like them. You better not act like them. You better not be with you them. You better not be with them. And if you are mm-hmm. with them, you know what I mean? Talk A-V-E and use hella A-V and slang to your benefit mm-hmm. around them. But when you get to a job interview or when you're around your grandmother, mm-hmm. it's all good. It's different. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're not and saying I, nothing and, and I don't work. think, and I feel like, you know... I a lot of I saw somebody say, you know, we we need to be in more solidarity with a black person, black cis man. You know how they do. They just keep, <laughs> you know, they are captains. Um, they got their capes ready, no shade. And you know, one he was like, I don't want to see no new niggas. You know, so what? No new niggas. We don't need any new niggas. And I was so. What does that mean? He was saying we need to be in more solidarity with Asian people because. Um, but he was saying black people need to be in more solidarity with Asian people so that there are no more new niggas. The, as in no, that they don't have to go through, let's self-sacrificial BS, that they don't have to go through what we go through or something like that. That is ridiculous. That was gross. It's that pretty gross. That makes me want to vomit. Nah, he finna get uh, blocked. He finna get blocked Yeah, block. Yeah, block. Yeah, he the finna block, get blocked the block, You know, the block button is, is therapeutic. And this is a person who, you know, they in activist communities, but no. again, but in the Bay Area, they have this, in the Bay Area, there's faux solidarity. There's yeah. pseudo-solidarity. Where it's like, everybody's hope you know, from what I'm seeing in the Bay Area is that, well, not everybody, but a lot of these very money, high affluent, like, you know, go to the Sangha or whatever, or mm-hmm. go to, you know, the cafes or the gentrified crowd, you know, or black people who F with the gentrified crowd. There's this idea we're going to have a new one world a new one world we're all interconnected and everything's going to be great once coronavirus is oh, over and I we're going to come out of this yeah that passive very, aggressive shit that y'all yeah, do in california i don't do that and i'm from east, <laughs> east oakland i'm from east oakland so that's the 60s and i'm gonna just give it to the 60s just because of time but that's 63rd roughly to 106 but it's really 73rd east my mom <laughs> to 106 but i'm gonna go ahead and because ty is from the 60s say east oakland you know what i mean but i'm from deep east oakland we don't we don't get down like that <laughs> but my point is that this there is i don't have any hopes that coronavirus is going to stop people from being racist or that coronavirus no. is going to bring us closer together and cause some type of class or plc solidarity no no i don't between either. groups i don't i think inter <laughs> intercommunally it will make perhaps you know organize asian communities to have mm-hmm. a conversation about their own complicity and perhaps their own anti-blackness um, and the ways that they participate in that and it benefits them as yes, well. Yes, and how global capitalism, as you talk about, has its roots in chattel slavery. Yes. And to participate in global capitalism is to be a slave to it. Yes. In so many ways. Yes. So it's a lot of work and it's a lot to think about. Yes. But for people to just be kind of on a high horse of, you know, we don't need people. We don't, we need everybody to not be racist toward Asian people. There has to be a conversation really among white people. Yes. Of, you see racism happening to that everybody this except is what I'm white saying. people this is what all I'm the saying. time, Hello. including your partners, non-white partners. Yep. You see it happening all the time, but you're mum about it yep. until it's your Asian partner, some Asian person that you like, yep. or until it's a restaurant that you frequent yep. that's being impacted by yep. coronavirus. Yep. 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 This is what I'm talking about. 
is where is the care? Where is the and care? And that's what you were saying too. The the racial aggression has been happening well before coronavirus. Yes, Tor. It's so, so I mean, we live in a time of rampant anti-immigrant xenophobia, but back yes. to your history in the making comment, it's yes. already been like this. It's already been like this. The Page Act didn't just happen and it goes away. That's right. The laws get ratified. They have to these mm-hmm. laws were actually made. They somebody sat down and wrote these motherfuckers and put them in the constitution or they put them, you know, as part of different referendums for different cities and states and shit like that. They had to be amended. You know what I mean? We had yeah. constitution that had to be amended to say that black people were more than three fifths of a person. Yeah. That has to count for something. It has to mean you were something. you were connecting this the other day too, about three yeah, the, about welfare, welfare queens, queens and it's mm-hmm. like even with I'm just thinking about not just even the economic yeah implications of this, which are always tied to racial implications of anything that's yeah. happening. It's like. People are upset about the Dow plunging and about yes. the the stock market yeah. falling. Airlines. Airlines. Airlines are being bailed <laughs> out again, just like Obama bailed the banks out. But I can can somebody just aside? Can somebody please explain to me why airlines need to be bailed out? Why is it that a you know a couple, probably a hundred thousand people, I'm assuming, either cancel their flight or cancel their more future than plans? Oh, okay, maybe it's more. But how is it that you broke after that? Y'all have been around for a long time. Y'all don't have no savings. The second that I, you know, spend some money and maybe get put a down, not a down payment, but do the security <clears throat> deposit and do the broker fee and pay the first month's rent and I'm broke, people looking at me like, Where, where's your savings at? Banks have actually said to me, Bank of America have yeah, said to me, your yes. savings account is not a rainy day fund. It is like for you to save up to do something big. That's what a bank has told me. That's the only so, time you can call somebody a bitch. Yeah. <laughs> over, over the phone who you don't know. It was in person. In person. Person, and it was crazy. raining in New York that day. So I was really mad because I was trying to take money out of my savings account to put it in my checking so I could get something to eat. And they wanted to give me a lecture. So how is it that airline companies don't have this savings account that everybody's supposed to fucking have? And there should be huge. Well, I'll tell you. The fir- the, I believe all of the, the, the CEOs of the airlines make upwards of 10 to a hundred million dollars mm-hmm. a year. Yes. So, so that's the savings for furloughed airline employees. Hello. It's in a, there's your it's bailout. In their pocket. Good night. The there's bailout, your bailout is in your there's pocket. There's your bailout. Give me a break. They that's salaries. ridiculous. This is all the protection. Y'all really should look up the bank bailouts. Y'all should really look up Wells Fargo. Um, the, especially with the case, I think of Chase and Wells Fargo, you have to really look that up. I'm going to continue to do some research around that myself, but all I know is that the case for reparations should not be it, it, the trial is over for the case for reparations. Yeah. If the if, if banks and the auto industry and now the airline industry is getting bailed out. We've clearly found the money that they said was missing, that Bernie Sanders said was missing for people of color. <laughs> but wait, well, wait, well, wait. You, Excuse you, me, black people, you sorry. You left one thing out. You left one thing out. <laughs> they might give a stimulus package to everybody, Ebony. Every All single Americans. person. Oh, I, we're not Americans. All Americans. Mm-hmm. So how is it that you found money to give upwards of 500 to $2,000 to each and every American 
In this, how many of it? It's like, what is it? I don't, I don't know because it's number. only forty-two million black people. So we less. <laughs> we less. less. So how is it that y'all found the money for that, but not for reparations? Interesting. So that's Interest. what do you say about money? I think it's important to say. Well, here. it's important. Well, you you already said it. It's the ratio. It is the ratio. It is the CEO salary ratio. Yeah. The ratio between their salaries and the salaries of their employees. Yes. How that disparity is so wide and that gap yes. is so wide between what the highest paid employees get paid yes. versus the lowest pay that they're like, I need to maintain my style and my standard of living. Yes. That life of luxury that I'm living and all them fucking uh air jet jet planes and rvs or whatever the fuck rich people got up in their motherfucking house they want to keep that you know how our light bill had got cut off because it was in the mail they like it's their water bills and everything like we had a drought in california it was found that the wealthiest citizens of california were actually using up the most water wow you know wow. all those for you the shit you would go crazy for to have in your house hella big ass mm-hmm. trees and plants and shit all of that costs money to maintain. Yes. They want to maintain it. Even yes. if that means sacrificing the livelihoods and the jobs of the people that keep those airlines going. Yeah. So, it's all to it's all to sustain the rich. I mean, um, Cuomo did a forgiveness of mortgage for the next mortgages for the next 90 days. And I just thought the the wealthiest people have a mortgage. <laughs> How you, you did a down payment, you bought a house, you own a house. That means you have a mortgage. So they get a forgiveness of 90 days, not the motherfuckers who pay rent. You and your brother, you arguing with your brother who is a top pundit on CNN. You arguing with this nigga and people think that's cute and funny that the mayor... But the you're a it whole governor. Funny. You're a whole governor, and this nigga is also some top pundit on CNN or MSNBC. Yeah. I forgot which one he worked yeah. for. I mean, how does that happen? Per, I mean, every single person that speaks is white. I didn't know the Surgeon General was black, and he's kind of fine. I did not. And know And his that. name is Jerome. Jerome. I did not know he was black, but this is the first time he. I spoke. ain't seen that nigga. I ain't seen. I'm him. not I didn't counting even know Ben Carson. Ben Carson he has crossed over. Yeah. Ben Carson is yeah. no longer yeah. here with us in no. terms of blackness. He's, he's still not alive. No- <laughs> He's just no longer black. I'm sorry, yeah. he's not. I'm it's sorry. not no so you don't have to apologize he, for that. He, he would actually love it. He talked. <laughs> I think man Carter, I think he called me last week and said, you know what? <laughs> I, said, I you really hate missed. that Ben Carson acts like that because I love gifted hands as a kid. I don't even know what that is. It's a book about him doing the surgery. Well, I would again, it's the Kanye syndrome. All that shit is over and done with. Your anti-blackness and not your anti-blackness, but your your literal like complicity, like your active complicity. Like he's doing actions yeah. that are going to disadvantage and harm black people. Yeah, he ain't even just saying shit out his mouth. He's actually yes. one of the. Um, he is the helm of one of the most anti-black parts of the government, which is the Housing and Urban Development yes. Administration. Yeah. So all NYCHA, Oakland Housing Authority, the people yes. who they report to, do you know how horrible it is? Have you ever lived in NYCHA? And he don't care. And he's the perfect person Trust for me, it. Trust me, he does not give so two So again, all that gifted hands and shit is all, he need me gifted hands. <laughs> He need gifted hands. Hands are going to be placed. Yes, that are gifted. <laughs> I got gifted hands. Nigga, what? You understand um, what I'm saying? So it's it's not that 
What was we just saying? Well, we were talking about the airlines. The airlines. The airlines, but also just in general. We're getting, you know, everybody's gotten a million emails from every single membership they've ever had anywhere. I think I got an email from, what was it? Saks Fifth Avenue. I was like, I don't even shop at Saks anymore. Like, what is this? So every email from every business saying what they're going to do, you know, around coronavirus, their business is closing, how they're going to pay their staff, how they're not going to pay their staff. And my gag is, there is a, I believe it's Chinese food, a Chinese food restaurant in Hawaii, and the owner of the restaurant says they're going to forfeit their salary, their paycheck, so their staff get paid. Wow. How is it that there are people with quote-unquote small businesses, us included. We have a quote-unquote small business. Very, small we have a micro-business. Uh, I believe Yamina <laughs> told me this. Ask Spicy Mayo told me that small business means 500 or less. So we have a tiny we have a small business. business. We have three of us. We have Shout NPR out to Tiny Demi. Desk. We have NPR <laughs> Tiny Desk. Which, why y'all didn't put Kelly Price on there? I'm sorry. That just I just thought about that every time I think about oh NPR. My God. How you said Kelly you Price needs to have a Tiny Desk. You know But why. it's all connected to the coronavirus. It's all connected. But keep and going. And you want to connect at the end how yep. it's connected. Keep going. <laughs> so we're getting these emails from, you know, some businesses are paying their staff and some are not. And what the one, they all stick out to me, the ones that are not. And one in particular is Happy Dogs. Happy Dogs is where we take baguette. And right now, I'm saying Happy Dogs name because I'm irritated with them, okay? It's the boarding. It's where you do boarding and you do daycare. They're all over the city. So boarding at Happy Dogs is $70 a night, which I Mm -hmm. think is is normal. I think our dog walker who's done boarding for us a couple of times has charged that, right? Mm -hmm. Or has charged a little less than that. Mm $70 and they also have a daycare service and they have a store as well on the inside. Mm -hmm. When you go there, you don't know how many dogs are there, but when you watch the webcam, you can see 511 dogs in there. Mm -hmm. How is it that they are unable to pay their staff when I leave Baguette in there for two days and it costs $230 to take her out? Yeah. You mean to tell me that the staff are not going to get paid for at least the next two weeks that they're out? Right. But... A place like Chelsea Piers, where we go to the gym, telling y'all all our business, if we ever be able to go back to the gym again. Chelsea I don't Piers. go there no more. I ended my membership before all this happened. I got on the phone with my loan services. I've been hitting it. All I need to do is call New York State of Health. Keep everybody, pro tip, call all y'all loans. Call them now. Call them. Chelsea Piers, Brooklyn, um, they're going to pay all of their staff 100% while they're away. And they're making sure their health insurance is paid. A hundred percent paid. Y'all. I, I mean the 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 what is it called? The monthly what is that membership? called? Membership is entirely too much money. So it makes sense That's why that I they're able to money. pay this. But sim I just don't understand. If I'm as an individual and as a business person mm-hmm. supposed to always have a savings. Mm-hmm. And these in my opinion they are not in my opinion. They are businesses much bigger than me. Yes. How is it that they are they are unable to stay open? And I'm really asking because I don't understand it. Or they're not unable to stay open because they're open. How is it that they're unable to pay their staff? And I take it back in the really, event of a furlough. I'm re- I'm taking back that I'm really asking because what you said about the airlines is the same with Happy Dogs and any other business that has more than 
I would say more than 10 staff that is not paying their staff during this time. You as the business owner is trying to maintain your status, whatever that might be, trips, cars, uh, takeout, an expensive ass, expensive ass rent, Mm -hmm. all of that shit. You are trying to maintain that. And that is why you will not sacrifice and pay your motherfucking staff. And it's disgusting. And we see you. And like Yamina's mom said today on our little FaceTime, it's how businesses and people are acting during this time. It's how they act all the time. It's yes. why the true colors are coming out. And that is my main point. Yeah. My main point about coronavirus and the response to it and why I've been so emotionally stir crazy around what I'm viewing in the media. And, you know, like you said, when you turn on the television, you turn on MSNBC and you turn in CNN, you see white people. These are the people who are, they are positing as experts. These are the public health officials and authorities of a anti-black white supremacist state. Ding dong. They mostly look white except for Jerome and he's bald. (laughs) 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 Nigga named Jerome bald. Um, You know, so (laughs) my bad, Jerome. I don't know nothing about Jerome, but it's telling. I have never seen him. I've never seen him. And it's telling that he get three seconds to talk. Three seconds. He is the Surgeon General of this country. And he get three seconds to talk. He's one of the top health officials in this country. But we talking to Anthony Fauci, the um, person from the National Institute of Epidemiology. Yes, epidemiology is the, the study of diseases and all that. I understand that. But at the same time, he getting too much FaceTime. He is. Him he and is. that white lady that with, white lady behind with the scarf. Who is that white shows, lady with the scarf? She ties them and not. <laughs> she wears scarves and put and it's not even probably cold in there. It's not cold. She got her scarf laid though. She but the point that, you know what? I'm that I'm making is today. that we are, you know, called to make up, we as a community, especially black people, we are called to take care of each other and we are called to really, you know, honor different ways of being around crises or different ways of being, because who gets to say what's a crisis for who are not, Ooh. you know what I mean? But we are called to, you know, look out for one another and make sure these kids is getting fed, make sure kids are able to be taken care of and make sure that parents are also able to be, be taken care of during mm-hmm. this time in our local communities, make sure our older folks is being taken care of but there are programs and services that can institutional programs and services and policies that can a lot for that that nobody really talk about mm-hmm. that inside of this country and inside of conservatism it being endemic and as as a validated part of our government the fact that we have liberal and conservative be a framework yes and all conservative means is that you shouldn't have programs and services that would create the type of safety net that we are now realizing that we do not have yep. even thinking about you know ride sharing companies uber lyft um, people who work for instacart people who work for postmates they people are not thinking you know what the reason why somebody would want to be a Lyft driver or would want to work for Postmates or would want to work for Instacart is because it's just as oppressive if they were working for somebody at a job. Hello. You know what I mean? It's like we haven't really looked at labor in this country enough to be like, damn, our labor forces are hella white supremacists. They're every mm-hmm. the board of directors of these companies and corporations are all white. Mm-hmm. Why is that? That is a problem. And them being all white hasn't protected us none. Nope. 
it hasn't protected us any. Nope. In fact, it's just like, it, again, the history and the making thing. I go back to the welfare queen example where black and brown films are being blamed, particularly yep. black films are being, for what kids specifically, are being blamed for the reason why we can't have programs safe social programs and safety nets and provisions they're the ones that are going to run the economy into the ground said ronald reagan and said the nixon administration they're the ones having all of the kids and they're the ones who are going to drive this economy into peril but not the corporations that are somehow going bankrupt overnight and needing to be bailed out yep they it's 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 the black people yep that are cause that are gonna call are, are the reason why we don't need safety nets and provisions and we call that laissez faire. We should be hands off the market. We call that conservative economics. The governments, the corporations, they're gonna be the people yes. who who reap the benefits yes. of what's gonna happen. Once we yes. get once coronavirus is cured and we found found a vaccine, we gonna make sure that everything is still in place. The people's foots whose necks we've had our foot on, people's necks who we've That's had our right. foot on, we gonna have their foot on them after this is all over too. Yes. Y'all gonna go back to getting Instacart, y'all gonna go back to getting Postmates, and y'all gonna go back to not paying the, the people, uh, Uber and Lyft drivers and Instacart workers a fair wage. Yep. We're gonna go right back to that, but let me send you an email and let you know that I care about your health and safety. Ooh, Bullshit, you don't you even care it. about the health and safety of your workers. That's right. Without coronavirus. Without coronavirus. <laughs> so that's why I'm like, why do y'all think coronavirus is going to usher in some new world because the dolphins are swimming in a canal? What about the human beings? Yeah. Somebody asked us on live yesterday, how does it feel to be a human being? I feel like to feel like to be a human being, my life is not valued. Mm. People are excited about the dolphins being in the canal and that pollution is being down. I mean, I'm, Happy Dogs received $22,000 in donations. For furloughed employees and the owners themselves. But it's like, why aren't, again, when you have wide wealth disparity in the ways that we have, when you have a country that was built on the enslavement of millions of people, who have not been compensated for that, you can only expect tricky economics like the ones that you have now, where it's like, damn, why is my employer raising money on GoFundMe? Mm-hmm. I got to fucking GoFundMe. I need to GoFundMe. Mm-hmm. Why is my employer raising money to give me? Mm-hmm. Why is my employer not telling my mom when are, if, if they're getting sick days or not? Why is my mom having to go to work tomorrow? Yep. Why yeah. is my aunt having to go to work tomorrow, HUD? Uh, ben Carson, Housing Urban Development? Mm-hmm. Why are mortgages suspended in New, in New York State? Mm-hmm. You said evictions can't happen. Evictions, there's a moratorium on evictions in New York. Yep, but you're going to be expecting that rent. But they're going to be expecting that you once coronavirus, yeah, yes. they want their rent and they're going to evict you all the same. Yep. So there has to be a shift. There has to be something that actually happens. Yep. We can't continue to use black people or Asian people as the scapegoats for the issues endemic in this society. It is our investment in whiteness. These are the returns again yep. on our investment in whiteness. It looks like in 18 and 1700, it looked like disease and genocide of indigenous people and black people. Yeah. And now it's looking like coronavirus. Yeah. 
And for people to not be talking about this in a historical framework and to be so one track minded around, oh, you know, this, we just need to hurry up and have everybody stay in the house and we need herd immunity and it's the young people and it's millennials. That millennials boomer shit is such a white conversation. I hate it. I hate it so much. I never say it. I hate it. I hate that conversation. Pet peeve. That is a pet millennials and boomers. It's like, and and again, even if y'all thinking about these testing kits, like I said before, testing kits are important. That is something where I'm like, all right, where are the mobile testing testing stations at? Where are the testing kits? And why do I find out all these NBA players got it? You know, finding out that Idris Elba and and a whole host Idris. Idris. It's not. It's Idris. Really? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. He said Idris. But this nigga on there chilling and shit he on said, my life. I have, he said, I have I have it. Yes, I yeah. have. Not a cough, not a fever, not a tissue in sight. You're fine because he's rich. Yes. <laughs> and most of these people... I. I know that you're asking rhetorically why all these famous people are getting the test. And I it's think rhetorical. a reporter, a reporter, a reporter also <laughs> asked today, President Trump, and I can't remember his response. I think I muted it after they asked, but was like, how are these famous people getting access to taking the test? I'm like, y'all, that, that is how health insurance works in this country. Yep. If you have the money, then you can go. Like, I, I literally would not be able to see my oncologist if I wasn't paying an absorbent amount of money to see him. Yeah. I would have to change my oncologist to someone else if if I couldn't afford it. Yeah. Like, I would just have to change it because he wouldn't accept that particular insurance. Even though you needed it. Even though I needed it. Needed the treatment. Even though I needed it. I have to pick certain health insurance and certain top level health insurance so I'm able to see... And top level is in more money you have to pay. Yeah, so I'm able to see the same oncologist I have seen since I was diagnosed. I would literally have to change... Oh, and that is so many people's realities. Yeah. So this question of how are they able to take it come I think maybe coming from like you were saying you get irritated with the reporters where it's like some of these questions like make them smarter. Like, it seems to me that rich people are taking the test because they can access it because that's how health insurance works in this country. So are you considering that that is a breakdown on behalf of health insurance? That is a question to me. That's a question. (laughs) But that's a question for which you would have no answer. Right. And you gotta ask it fast like you just did. Yeah. You gotta ask that shit fast. (laughs) They be trying to get their little 15 minutes in in the White House correspondence meeting. Yes. Come on, please ask the damn question. Ask it. Ask the real question. So all of this is very, is very, uh, triggering and frustrating as a person that lives with a chronic illness and disability, because God forbid, if anything were to happen where I would need to go to the hospital, my now fear of going to the hospital is that I'm at a greater risk of going, not just because I'm black, but now because I could get, um, coronavirus or I could become sick or I could make someone in my family sick. So that is is nerve-wracking to me but also like are they gonna is the doctor uh, that is seeing people under coronavirus which i'm sure insurance is still at play here do they accept my fucking insurance yep i have to think about everybody has to think about that yeah and then you have to consider what exactly is going to be the bill when i go and i'm treated for coronavirus that's what i keep thinking about i know the biggest part of this is that we 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 don't have a medical structure that actually supports all people in this country it just doesn't and there's not enough hospital beds but i'm also thinking about how is what is it one again back to the same airline conversation how is it that people 
spend so much money in insurance, but there's not enough hospital beds. Yep. How? How would there not? And there even be, if they did have a money. There should be a freaking influx of yeah. hospital beds. There should be as much hospital beds as there is um, spoil, like soil. That's in how much, case we have a pandemic or just because people it, get sick. Just because they, people get sick. And they might need it. Just because people get mm-hmm. sick. But the thing is, is that the United States is so goddamn cocky and ridiculous, they think nothing is going to happen to them. And that's why it's so bad here now. Yes. Because they also could have helped China. Yeah. They could have sent whatever sort of aid and support it so it didn't happen in Italy. So it didn't happen anywhere else. Yes, there was research about <laughs> coronavirus, this particular COVID-19. Yes. That was research about this a long time ago. Actually, it would, to, to the credit, it's the Chinese doctors and researchers who have who been warning and telling people that there's going to be a pandemic if we don't find a vaccine to this many, many years ago. There's no... There's and the Chinese government and the United States government were not helpful in that endeavor. At all. Yes. So I'm just thinking about the people... I'm just thinking about people with chronic illnesses and disabilities that, are, that don't have anything to do with coronavirus. And also thinking about the people who are... Uh, completely controlled by the state, people who are in prison mm-hmm. um, and a part of the carceral state. Now, now I think it's California, Los Angeles. I, I think maybe another city. I'm not sure. I think I'm not sure if it's the entire state of California or just Los Angeles that are letting out um, um, some. I believe is. Oh, uh, releasing inmates early, early and release. arresting fewer mm-hmm. people over fears of the coronavirus in, in jails. Mm-hmm. But the gag is, is that prisons and jails are already a public health issue. Yes. The yes. fact that people who are in prison get shackled when they are in birth yep. is a public health issue. Yep. The fact that a person that is pregnant can't actually access a, a doula, a midwife, a, the doctor that they want is a public health issue. Yep. The fact that a person will be told, you know, if you, you're pregnant now, but actually you can be released from jail earlier, not go at all. If you have an abortion and you sterilize is a public health issue. And that is not talked about. It's not that oh, we're releasing people from jail because of coronavirus. Release people from jail because it doesn't fucking work. And y'all talk about not having no beds. Right! Especially with California prisons. Right! A shortage of, where prisoners sometimes Use those can damn sleep beds. on the floor. Use those beds. There aren't any. There's not many. It's not even enough beds you for Release people the people and use the bed. Release the people and use that bed and add some cushion because I'm sure it's not, not any more. That's a couple of springs. But hospital beds are incredibly uncomfortable. Right. <laughs> I'm right. sure it's not any more comfortable. And I think mm. that, I mean, but this is the times where you're hearing the words immunocompromised a lot and yes. you're hearing homeless a lot finally. And you're yes. hearing inmates and early release and, yeah. you know, considering like low risk inmates or people who could just be released. Yeah. You know, you're hearing, you know, abolition being whispered. Mm-hmm. You're hearing all this shit now. But I guess my, that's my question to you as somebody who, you know, has a disability like what is the feeling you know of hearing about hearing the word disability in a national discourse now hearing at risk or vulnerable populations Mm -hmm. now what is the impact of of it being a reactive 
um, re- uh, concern or care about people with disabilities or chronic illnesses. Well, it's frustrating because, like you said, you were like, where does all this research money go to? Mm-hmm. Is what you were saying the other night. Like, mm-hmm. you were like, where's all the research money? Like, the so much money goes into these research programs, these huge institutions, Ivy League institutions got these major research programs, mm-hmm. but there's no, like, it, there's nothing happening. That's how I feel on a regular basis about cancer research. Yeah. There are millions and millions of dollars that go into cancer research and there's no cure yeah. for the cures uh, for the shit. There's yeah. nothing. So someone, I mean, I, it's just frustrating to see, to see it positioned as like, okay, let's fix this. Let's, let's figure so it out. So people don't get sick and become like yeah, disabled so people. people don't get sick and yes. people don't become like, so because we have to keep people able-bodied yes. because that's the only way they're going to be able to function. The schools close and they make all the classes online. There's a lot of people that actually would have benefited from online classes anyway. Yeah. So how come this hasn't already been a thought in people's minds where if I'm physically in a classroom, how come I can't do a webinar as well so people can hear me speak where they maybe can't get to a classroom? Right. right? Or is it this this like a lot of a lot of things or themes in this that just really reveal how ableist this country is and yeah. how much they do not care about sick people. You don't have enough hospital beds. Mm-hmm. Even this, uh, That's even, enough. So even know. when y'all are hearing immunocompromised 10, 11, 15, 12 times, just get that. Even people you arguing with on Instagram or arguing on Facebook, they don't care about immunocompromised people really. No. They just care that they are doing something right or doing their part or not culpable. I'm going to stay in the house so I'm not culpable. It's not that you care. It's not like you was going to your gentrified neighborhood and and going to see about the elderly people in your building. You barely would talk to those people in your building. Okay. You would barely talk to those people. Okay. And now you want to go get them groceries. Okay. Because they immunocompromised. Like, come on now. Mm -hmm. But moving into the neighborhood at all. Right. <laughs> push the I mean, you talk. I will. Eric has a video where she talks more about like this desire, the ableism, and this desire to not have people be sick. Not only so that they're not sick, it's just so that they can work. Yes. And because we That's have it. an ableist society, there's assumptions about what people who with disabilities are able to provide or yes. do. Yes. And for and in service to the state. Yes. So it's it's you're not you don't you couldn't even fathom how to shift. A society to make it so that people still can function while they have an illness because it's never been considered. Yeah. You never oh go home. Go home. <laughs> go that home. And in- I'm I'm taking out the fact that this is incredibly contagious and they don't know anything about it. But the first thought is go home because people are getting sick. Yeah. Go you get what I'm saying? Like there's no like, oh, you can do this, or there's actually for people that are sick, you can always work at home. Yep. It's always a structure that's embedded. Yep. It's always something that you're able to tap into. Oh, you can't work for the next two weeks. Here's your money payout anyway. That's always something that we have in place. That's always something that we are mandated by law to prepare for. None of that exists. So now they're coming up with all of these structures that should have already been in place. People get sick all the time. Yep. So how is it that now a coronavirus, which yes, people are dying and also people die from other illnesses as well. Yeah. How come the same structures are not in place? Yeah. Because working from home, being able to stay home with with some of these positions, giving them the security of still receiving a salary actually has you get well faster. Yeah. Than if you're trying to work 
and you're sick. Yeah. So it's just ridiculous. Well, you know what Malcolm X said, you know, he said they come home to roost. You know, the chickens, they do come home to roost and they've come home to roost. And I don't delight in it. I just am. I bear the brunt of it. Yeah. So for us to not speak candidly about how we've gotten here and the historical context for how we've got here is going to keep us away from a place where we want to be this fake new world order, new world, um, one togetherness. We can get one togetherness. We can get to a place of, you know, how can we continue to live like this? We can get to a place where we really can ask ourselves, Oh, we can't live like this for long. Yeah. You know what I mean? But even as black people were dying, and continue to die and the, and the murders of black trans women have continued to accelerate that was the time to say we can't live like hello this. this is a pandemic that, this is a pandemic this is a brand, we, pandemic i'm using it in different terms but you get what i'm saying no it's the same it's the same because yeah. that's a scourge white supremacy and transphobia are a scourge yep. and a disease yeah much in the same way absolutely so absolutely. that is this whole we can't live like this or how can we continue to live like this that that is that was the time to that's begin right. to ask that. That's right. Now we are in Woo! the fallout. That's right. And now we are wondering, okay, that's right. What is it that we're gonna do? And I think a lot of black people, we already we we already take care of each other, and we already take care of our communities. I think my thing is I want us to amplify that inside of this. I want black yeah. people to draw even strongly aligned and closer to each other. Yeah. Um, than we ever have before. I think that is the new world that I'm envisioning, that one interconnectedness or whatever the fuck people with their legs crossed sitting down, you know what I mean, doing yoga with the incense of Sam. Like, you know, (laughs) whatever this one world is, it's like we we can get to it, we can make it there, um, but how long do we have to live like this as far in regards to being inside of the house? That's not what we need to be asking in regard to how long do we have to, how long is we going to yeah, have to quarantine? That's a good point. How long is we going to have to self-isolate? How long yeah. is we going to have to live in a society where you can have and be, where there is no consequence for racism? Ooh. Where is there, where there is no consequence for exploitation of workers, where there yeah. are little to no workers' rights? Come on. Yeah. Where we have a quote unquote gig economy in response, a gig economy that makes a few people rich and a whole bunch of other people still poor. Yep. But that yet they get a paycheck deposited into their account every week for giving you a ride or bringing your groceries to your house. But Instacart and Uber and Lyft won't even pay those people a living wage. But yet they have billionaires, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, billionaires among their ranks. And they are not suffering. That's why I'm like, even this rush to go and create content, there's always going to be winners and losers in global capitalism. And while you see the Dow plunging, there's some people's pockets is still expanding. There's some rich people who are white, rich white people who did a Martha Stewart, who already got their money out, who Ben took their money out the stocks. Yeah, yeah. I, I need my shit right now. I need run me mine real quick because it's about to crash. Yeah. There's about to be a recession. That's, and that's also uh, just throwing that out there. Why she went to jail. Yeah, that is why she went to jail. It's called insider so it trading. It sounds like a whole lot of people need to go to jail. It sounds like I'm a whole saying. lot of people need to go to jail instead of y'all worrying about who's standing in the house and who on the beach. Ooh. So. So, while you in the house. <laughs> <laughs> Here are some 
self-care practices that I've, you know, muddled up. I feel like Ebony has more to say, but I'm just going to throw these in there as a little break for a Go second. Go ahead. So some self-care things that is community care, self-care that we found that are helpful to us. Um, dancing. I have taken some online virtual classes. With Debbie Allen. With Debbie Allen. No How big cool deal. That? that was a lot of fun. You know, it's so funny. I have been more active during quarantine than I have in regular life. That's crazy. <laughs> So I'm so happy to get back into a routine where I just get up and move my body. Um, So this has been good to like have that in mind where I'm like every day I want to be active in some way. Eb and I have been taking walks, obviously always moving around people, keeping a very uh, distance from people. Uh, But it also gives our dog that needs to have all the energy in the world um, some activity as well. Doing yoga at home, watching forensic files. You do um, that anyway. I do that anyway. But also forensic files or any sort of true crime could incite some anxiety. So it's very triggering. And I'm also just like, triggering. I really wish this It's like a break, happen. but it's also It's like I'm watching it because provoking. it happened and they made a whole show. And right. the show can only continue if people continue to die right. in these very <laughs> suspicious ways that have to be solved through DNA evidence. Go ahead. Right. Um, <laughs> I have discovered my love for TikTok videos. This is not my an endorsement of TikTok, TikTok. But it has really been a nice break, but also creativity it's it's like a fun creative things to do learn to dance say something funny add some like i like it um speaking an english accent learn a new accent skip okay. that please all right um those are some of my things what you got i ain't really i just been out here i still been doing work yep. you know maintaining i do it has made me call what have people you been looking more up, though? oh call people facetime what you mean when i've been looking what you've been looking up I'm not talking about that, <laughs> but I have been looking at different things. I've had a chance to let my creative juices yes. begin to flow. So tomorrow y'all yes. can catch what a time? brother. Um, what time, what time do people go party? You can catch me at 10, 10 PM. 10 PM. Eb is going to go live on my Instagram. EST, 10 PM. EST. At I, I'm on my Instagram. Like he has an Instagram on, on, on the Instagram at I heart Erica. We're going to go live 10 PM, 10 PM EST. And that is 7 PM. Um, PST. So join us. He's gonna DJ. It's gonna be a blast. I'm gonna be on live. Come, yeah. So you just okay? Yeah, I'm gonna be on live. live. I'm gonna be DJing for y'all, getting the party started for you. You know, scenes from the quarantine. I'm gonna turn y'all up. Scenes from the quarantine. We're just gonna turn up. So bring, you know, bring your water, your wine, your booze, whatever you do, and just come dance. Yeah. So I I've been doing that. Um, what else I've been doing? You know, I still been doing work. You know, again. I, I try to ignore that, you know, this has had an impact on our business, but it has. So I've been yeah. doing that, trying to figure everything out, make my next move, my best move. You know what I mean? If you, you know, black people, we got a mantra. If you stay ready, you don't have to get ready, you know? So <laughs> at the same time though, I, I've been making, trying to make it work, you know, checking on my mother a lot. My mother been blowing yes, my phone up. She more, really has. Cause she ain't been going, but now she still has to go to work. And so I'm kind of talking to her and trying to figure out a way to keep her in the house, keep her in the house. But also they're there. I see a lot of business owners organizing around how to get GoFundMe's for their businesses, the business owners who are likely affluent as a result of their business. 
Um, but there hasn't been a lot of support around people who do still have to work. Yeah. Um, where's the GoFundMe for the sanitation workers? Where's mm-hmm. the GoFundMe for the janitorial yeah, staff? Um, how can they get bonuses in the two hundreds of thousand dollars? Like a lot of people who work for major corporations like airlines get every year. CEOs get bonuses. Like people from banks and Weird. auto industries, they get Weird. bonuses for the quote unquote job that they do. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm gonna think about, you know, some ways to organize around labor. Like what is labor? I'm really getting activated around that. I'm doing some more work and and or not some more work some more reading about workers rights and how that's intimately tied and class struggle being intimately tied up with black liberation so i'm i'm in juices is flowing over here creatively you know so i yes. feel cool about that and yes. i've also been watching um i've been watching videos on youtube yeah i did watch videos of the cute omega net roll. they do a thing <laughs> called a net roll and then my gender stuff is coming up where i'm like you know i really want to get my you know my double mastectomy my titties taken off <laughs> um sorry if that's graphic for anybody but that's what it is um i would yes. really like to get my top surgery um you know because in my mind i'm starting to look different in my head you know you look different bearded ebony is more unhinged and i'm like i could use a beard <laughs> and if i was in the divine mind i would want to be a kid but then i'm like also would never be in none of that period and then i also had to look up like you know different Sexual assault allegations with Greek life, all Greek, not just the Panhellenic black ones, but all Greek, especially the white ones. So I don't even know if I would want to participate in that, but shout out to all y'all who do, who, you know, keep it real, keep it trill, whatever y'all do. But, you know, I've been thinking about my little gender lately. I have a lot more time to look at myself. Yes. <laughs> so that can be. <laughs> and be in your, your mind about your head about And being, it. so I really do, you know, black, black queer, and trans people, it could, and non binary people, it could be a trying time for us, especially with these hospitals. Not, you know, trans healthcare is going to be the first to go. Yeah. That's going to be the first yes. to go to the wayside, you know, due to the, the medical institution's lack of a response around this pandemic or the system being. I don't even want to call the system overtaxed. The system is just medical system is, is built on racism and experimentation yes. of black bodies. So yeah. why would you think something like that was going to quote unquote work? Yeah. Um, and especially work under duress. So it's just working how it's supposed to work. That's right. So it's I do, how it's I to do work. want, you know, to anybody who has questions around like testosterone, you know, I do feel like that is something or, or estrogen or HRT. And like, if there's any interruptions to getting that, if you still get it, you know, so I will probably give people tips on how to like kind of stockpile around that and, you know, see how to kind of finesse the the system, the, the healthcare, not the healthcare, but the insurance company system to make sure that you're able to get low cost um, hormone replacement therapy if you can. Yes. So I'll talk more about that in the, some of the coming weeks. Yes. And we have the racial and social justice webinar coming up March 31st at 11 a.m. PST. Yes. And 2 p.m. EST. Um, Join us on Zoom. Ed will link it in the information. And I will link to that. And thank you for everybody who signed up. We'll talk. You'll get the world of of what we're talking about. You know, if you want to understand how, you know, the system creates proxies and for blame and scapegoats, how the welfare clean was one of them and how now Asian people are becoming another one. And 
you'll you'll get the world of that. You'll get the world of how you've even helped perpetuate some of that, yes. you know, or been complicit or, you know, been a, a, a victim of it unwittingly, you know, all of those different things. So we'll, we'll, we're really going to go in. It was really a brainchild of Erica and I'm really just accompanying Erica. Of course, I'm, oh. it's a part, I am a part of it and I'm doing a lot of content creation, but yes. you know, the desire and the idea to do this was way long ago. It yes. was not well before, before coronavirus. Well before coronavirus. Yes. Erica has actually We've been, been thinking doing about this, making this work. More. Erica has been doing this for about two years, two to three years now, offering racial and social justice workshops. Um, however, I think maybe early last year, Erica had the desire to change these into um, webinars. So she'd been talking about webinars for a long time. And as you saw last December, Erica launched her first webinar, Thank which you, was darling. a gender one-on-one webinar. And we'll also have that available to help supplement your at-home learning. Yes. And we'll be rolling out a lot of different things. And I also want people to not feel like you have to, you have to engage in hella shit online. I know it's like, where else am I going to engage? I can't talk to the TV, <laughs> even though whenever I see true, you know, Trulicity commercials and oh, pharmaceutical Lord. commercials, I'll be in it and, you know, talking to them. <laughs> he does talk to them. It's true. All right, everybody. We could talk forever. Is we, we leaving? We're leaving. This is abrupt. This is not abrupt. It's an hour and 35 minutes later, darling. I'll have some resources of things that other people are doing. Other oh, things. yeah, to support the folk. Please support black people's stuff, period. Yes. And there are black people who are not associated with big business, who are freelancers, whose money has been, you know, taken completely from right under them because of this. Um, so we will link to the folks to support educators and artists um, and people that if you have the means and you can support them, we just highly um, suggest that you support them if you can, even if it's sorry, even if it's a a dollar, it goes a long way. And I have a number of resources from black educators for parents, black educators who've been teaching in the classroom for a long time and who have a number of modalities to support parents in online teaching or who also offer online teaching to take some of that burden off of people. So I have a lot of resources around that. Erica is thinking about some sex ed things. And then there's also Dr. Tracy Gilbert, which is a good friend of ours and also a really esteemed sexuality educator. And she's also offering um, a number of different workshops and webinars and things for people to get down with online. So I'll have that. And before I forget, the Marsha P. Johnson Institute is doing a collaborative solidarity webinar um, for folks completely free. And that's happening on March 26th from 6 to 8 p.m. Eastern time. Um, Y'all don't want to miss that. I'm also going to be on that call. I believe the call is capped. It's a Zoom. So I think it's capped at about 100 folks. So. I'll have the link to that in the description of this episode for folks to sign up and get supported around what that looks like. I know the Marsha P. Johnson Institute is also among a host of different grassroots activist organizations that are also organizing around a moratorium on rent. So I'm going to also be sharing some graphics around that, but there's also um, the Flatbush Tennis Coalition, which I believe is a majority black and brown and not black uh, people of color led organization. I mean, when I've gone in the office, I've seen mostly black and brown femmes doing a great deal of groundwork around tenants rights and tenant friendly laws that you now see um, written about in the New York Times, but don't actually include the black and brown people in the community who are actually providing a great deal of the thought leadership 
and intellectual labor around these new laws and the pressure and the lobbying of elected officials, elected officials who y'all claim we should vote for um, in the hopes that they will just already do these things. But no, a great deal of people have to demand and pressure them outside of the electoral system to do their job and to have laws that protect people. So Flappish Shittest Coalition is one such group is doing that. And I'll have some links to some other groups who are trying to get the New York state government, but also the federal government to do a moratorium in a state on rent. They've already done a moratorium in state on mortgages, but we want a moratorium in state on rent. If you can do mortgages, you can do rent with no penalties and no fees, no payback. And I also want to mention that a lot of these lawmakers and a lot of elected officials are scouring y'all social media, you know, picking up all of y'all, all y'all ideas for public benefit. I think I saw something where in California, there's a new hour in grocery stores where elderly people get to shop first. That was somebody's like tweet or somebody wrote that on Facebook. So a lot of what you see, a lot of the equitable aid assistance and response a lot of that is being organized by you all a lot of that is being organized by people donald you'll see something that donald trump says or on or msnbc even i think the moratorium on mortgages all of these petitions going around these are being created by everyday people they're being created by community um, mostly black queer and trans people so before you think about giving to a gofundme of a, a large company or corporation who is now asking for people to donate to support furloughed employees you should consider giving that money to black queer and trans people and black queer and trans organizations who are on the ground and who are coming up with and sourcing a lot of what you now see is being added to federal or state law or guidance around coronavirus response like stay hit y'all are the ones coming up with a lot of these commonsensical measures that are being pilfered and used um, by government and government elected officials um it's not something that they occurred to them or occurred to donald trump to do it's not something they would normally want to do but through public pressure and through people voicing their concerns you begin to see the change so it's and you didn't have to vote did we Every Wednesday. I love it. so we'll have a whole bunch of little things for y'all to go and dibble and dabble in and we just want to say that we love you and we, we love care about you and we're thinking about you all the time all the time and, and we've been thinking about y'all yeah before coronavirus before corona please take care of yourselves real. be easy on yourself it's a it's a damn pandemic I don't Be know easy. what Carl. I don't know what Cardi B talking about. Shit is getting real. Shit been real, right? Shit been real, but you know when you get your husband five hundred thousand oh, dollars in the refrigerator, I guess it's bye everybody. The dog. The barking. dog is screaming at us. <laughs> Take care. Of me. Bye. At the end of it all, I find myself somewhere between the Afro horn and Sunny's blues, like I'm Henry Dumasa, James Bond. But first, her rant started on Wednesday when she posted this video and wrote, quote, Hey, keep playing. I'm dead ass scared. I'm stocking up on food. Sure, D. Sure, D. Sure, D.